pressure, when you've lived it, when you grew up in it, when you overcame it, when you succeeded through it, that's one thing. When you help others do the exact same thing, those same things that you were able to outrun, man, that is how it's done. And that's what we're going to talk about next with Joe Kime. Next. And the heat is on. Let's get cooking. This is Purpose Under Pressure, brought to you by the Ruby Group Sandler Sales Training, serving sales professionals nationwide from their Akron and Columbus, Ohio locations. They are one of the highest performing Sandler Sales Training outfits in the nation. It's on purpose. It's not by accident. Uh, Mike and Ken and the team are striving hard to serve uh, the best people in the right ways, and they're making a difference. And they can for you and your team, too. You can check them out online at therubygroup.sandler.com. Com. And thank you to the Ruby Group for bringing this show to our audience today. My guest today, I'm so excited to share with this with you. I met Joe Kime many years ago, and he was on purpose then. He is on purpose now. He is on a purpose and a mission to help people, and I can't wait for him to talk to you about it. He is the executive director and founder at MAP Ministry. MAP stands for Mission for Amish People. He's also the owner of the Beyond Measure Market, which is also a an arm to help support MAP ministry. He's an author. He's a sought-after speaker. I'm happy to call him friend Joe Kime. Welcome to Purpose Under Pressure. Good to be here, Brian. Always appreciate hanging out with yeah. you. You're a good man. That, I think that's one of the key things I want people to know right off the bat. You're a good man. You've got your heart in the right place. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you're not only trying to make a difference, you've devoted your life to making a difference. A lot of people say, I've got a good idea, or a lot of people say, I want to help, and maybe they show up at the volunteer fundraiser. But Joe, you've given everything you have to this. And so we're going to talk a little bit about your purpose and uh, and the things that you do. So uh, first of all, thank you for all you do. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome. Let's thank talk you. about that, Joe. Tell everybody what you do. Uh, what are you here for? Why do you walk this planet? We're going to talk about MAP ministry, the things that you've put into place to help Amish people. Talk to me about why you do what you do. What is your purpose? Well, my wife and I were born and raised Old Order Amish. And at the age of 18, uh, we went into this rebellious mode. We left the culture. We left our family and uh, obviously found out that in order to survive in this culture, we had to have a higher education. But even more than that, we needed uh, a birth record. We needed social security numbers. We needed somebody to provide housing for us. We, we literally did not have anything. We maybe $50 in our pocket and the Amish clothes on our back. We did not want to be Amish anymore. And so we had people that helped us through that. Uh, very, very dear people. Um, um, but out of that uh, came this burden to reach out to others. Once we were on our feet, we had this desire to reach others and help them uh, the same way we were helped. And so obviously we can relate with uh, everything they're going through emotionally, uh, physically, and um, and so we've over the years we've taken in over two hundred into our home and and helped them transition directly into your home. You've you've brought them in, and it's not just it's not as easy as my sons graduating and moving off into their world and spreading their wings and flying. Is it that you really don't have education? 
money, job options. It's a whole different world. It's almost like a off the boat immigrant from the night, you know, from the twenties or something. Is that accurate? It is. It is very accurate. It, it's amazing how one culture can live right in the mid of American culture and yet be so separate and cut off from the culture around them. What's it like, Joe? You, you, you leave, you cross the, let's call it the border. You leave with nothing. Try to remind me or from your past or even the girls and people that you're helping now, what's it like from them? Try to show me their world from their, behind their eyes. I think the, the probably the biggest struggle is that when you decide to step out of that culture, uh, all your friends, all your family, the entire church, then uh, at least from my experience and many of the ones who have come out uh, have experienced the same thing, they are completely cut off. Uh, no more going back to weddings, no more reunions, no more family times together. It, it's a cost that most of them have to go through. The other thing I'd like to mention is that it, it's kind of like uprooting a tree and taking it a mile up the road and planting it in new soil. It needs a lot of care and a lot of patience, a lot of care uh, and baby that little tree. And, and if it takes off, great. But not everyone takes off because it's it's too harsh, too too difficult. And so let's talk a little bit more about this purpose because, and I know you you do not try to lure people out. You try to serve the people that have made the decision to come. I'm interested in the decision to come. That's a purpose, right? A young person wants to leave. Now, what they're leaving is a community where everything's taken care of. They can live there for the rest of their lives and not have to worry. Why do they want to leave? What is the draw? What is their purpose for coming out and into this really harsh, strange, difficult world? There's two reasons. First of all, the Amish culture in general is is very, um, very controlled, very controlled. In my community, we had 22 pages of do's oh, and gosh. don'ts. And these do's and don'ts were read off er twice a year uh, when during an all-day church service. So, as a young person, you want to flex your wings. You want to you 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 want to be who who God created you to be, but you can't, and you have to fit the box. Okay, that's one reason. The other reason is freedom. Uh, they see freedom all the way around them. And what one guy said best, he said, there were times we would stick our head out the window and we'd see the freedom and, and we'd see the fast cars, the electric and, uh, uh, and all the things that the outside world had. And you wanted that. You wanted technology. I mean, we, it, it, we were no different than any other human being. Is that born in? Is that is that desire to accomplish things or see things or be new? Is that is that an American thing? Is it born in? Is it a God thing? What what causes you to want things that you really were brought up not to want? I think we all want to make a difference. I, I mean, mm. I grew up. I mean, I wanted to make a difference in my generation, and I wanted freedom to go and use my gifts where uh, where I could make that difference. And when you are being controlled. And you're being told you can only go so far, but you can't go any further. You feel restricted. You feel tied down. And and 
you are in bondage. You are in, 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 in you know, you, you need to get out of that. And that's what most of them go yeah, through. And so any, any of us who walk by someone that we can see is struggling, you know, we hope that we're going to want to lift a hand. You've devoted your life to helping these people. Let's talk about the pressure. You, you've got the system set up. You can help these folks. What, what gets in the way? What stops you? What, uh, what causes you trouble or even causes them trouble in making this transition? Where do the pressures come in where you have to really rely on purpose that says, I'm going to get this. I'm going to make this happen. I think, again, um, my purpose is to make a difference in this generation. There's nothing that makes me tick more nothing that gives me greater satisfaction than to be able to come alongside a young person who is starting out and with a little bit of help can go further with a little bit of help than they could on their own. And so for me to come alongside and and help um, is a wonderful thing for me. But some of the pressures that come with that is that they just came out of a controlled um, situation. Uh, and so they very quickly feel controlled. And, and oh. if you see them making, you know, uh, doing things that y- you know it's going to hurt them, but, but, but you almost have to let them go and get hurt and learn and then just be there and love on them, accept them, just the way they are. And, and that's probably one of the biggest pressures I go yeah, through. Yeah. It's like, it's just parenting in general, right? But you're in a, in a, the stakes are really high with you. In fact, let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. You said you've had 200 people in your home that you've helped. And I know you've impacted young people, you know, nationwide. Uh, I don't know how many, yeah. maybe we'll talk about that the way you think. What, what is, what is failure? Like, how, do they always make it when they meet you? Or is it a, a, a guaranteed access into American success? Or is there, what, what's it feel like when it doesn't work out for you? You know, sometimes I've learned that God uses you for a season, for a window of time. And I've had to come to the conclusion that my my time is up. Someone else will take them and take them even further than what I may have been able to take them. There are times when uh, they will go back to the Amish because the pressure for them is too great and they want to be with their family and they'll return back. Uh, but um, I, I, I always look at it, you know, for the time you have them, whether it's it's a short time or a lengthy time, uh, enjoy the right while you are able to be there and walk with them. How many, uh, how many Amish uh, societies or cultures, uh, how, how many people are in this boat? If you could serve everybody, how many people are we talking about? And what percentage are you actually able to reach currently as you're funded, as you're set up? How does, what's the structure of that look like? Uh, there's about 300,000 Amish people living in in uh, United States and Canada. Okay. Since the year 2000, they have doubled in size, 97% increase. And so uh, within, within Amish uh, culture, you have many different subcultures. So you can't really put them all in the same boat. Uh, they all have their their list of rules that vary a little bit from one community to the next. Buggies vary a little bit in in design, clothing styles, 
work habits. Some can work in the city limits, others can't. Some can have a chainsaw, others can't. And so uh, within the culture, these are huge differences. And it, and, it, and it kind of separates. In fact, where I was born in, I was not able to get married to someone outside of my little subculture. I was very tied down just to my type of Amish people. So what gets in the way then? So so every let's say different cultures, different societies across the border. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but they they come into American society and they're different. What what how do you you have to have a business structure and a model with Map Ministry and even with the Beyond Measure Market that where you can serve well and efficiently, but yet all of your customers are different? Is am I understanding that accurately? Yeah. Huh. Um I mean, there's just a a wide variety of Amish cultures. And do they stick with those cultures? And is that the problem? Is that they, you can't break them of that, that habit? They no longer have to do those things, right? Because on the other side. Well, once they leave, most of the time they will, they will kind of get rid of all those cultural uh, traditions and and whatever they grew up with. That's what they want to come out of. And, um, you know, I, I've noticed that in time, some of them will kind of go back. You know, they kind of, when they leave, they kind of chuck all of it. And um, we, in 2018, we built an apartment house where we've taken in 28 young women. And um, they come from uh, the different types of cultural backgrounds. Uh, their needs are all different, but there are some things that are pretty consistent. They all need a job. They all want a car. They want a higher education. And, uh, of course, counseling and mentoring and helping them, uh, all, all those needs are very real. And that those are the areas that we help them. Uh, it takes about three years, uh, the transition. And... Of course, uh, I don't know if you are ready to talk about the store, but that was a part of the uh, it as well. I mean, we built this um, apartment house and we started getting all these young women in. But while we waited on their Social Security cards or, um, you know, while we waited on documents to come together so that they could get a job, uh, we wanted to provide some place for them to work. And so we built this small food store beyond measure market, and it's all on the same grounds of our offices, the store, the apartments, everything is on the same grounds. And so they can walk back and forth to work. And um, we teach them how to engage the outside world, how to make a living. And um, we've had We've had some real success, but we've also had some real challenges, yeah. Yeah. you know. And, and let's talk about, from the business point of view, right, the, the, let's talk about the challenges that you have to fund this thing. And, you, and like you said, you have to provide work and you have to do these things. Uh, it takes money. It takes time. You had to invest in a lot of different things. Talk to me about the structures and the pressures that hit. I mean, heck, running a grocery store or a market is hard enough let alone trying to do it on a nonprofit way in order to serve a different mission. Let's talk about the the pressures that come with, with trying to keep this, this structure profitable enough to run to be a successful nonprofit. 
Well, I, you know, like any business, uh, it is a nonprofit, yeah. and yet you have to run it you like a make, business. Yeah. You have to make a yeah. profit. The, the, the really the question I'm often asked: What what does a nonprofit look like? Well, a nonprofit uh, bulk food store or grocery store simply um, any profits will go back into the nonprofit. So it doesn't go into an owner's pocket. It, it's all nonprofit. And yet it has, again, has to be run like a business because you have to keep the doors open. One thing that has been very challenging is that the young women who come to the apartments are not used to uh, a handbook uh, and maybe even rebel a little bit against any kind of structure because they came out of that. They don't you know, if I'm if I'm late three minutes, I don't want to get docked. I don't think that's fair. Mm. Uh, if I want to take the day off well, on the farm, we could take off whenever we wanted to, mm. um, you know, and, and, and suddenly they find themselves in this structured uh, and mentorship uh, and they struggle with it. And and so it's been challenging. We've learned that you don't want too many of them working with you because they could pretty easily just pick up and leave, you know, because they just did that when they left their culture and they could pretty quickly just up and leave the apartments, leave their jobs. And uh, so you have to you have to have a core group there. And and that's probably one one of the hardest things I've learned is not too many of these former Amish or I mean, you, you couldn't keep the doors open. Say on the rule, only decision makers can get other people to make decisions. Each and every day, we have a decision to make. Also, when we're with buyers in our sales process, we have a decision to make how we're going to lead that interaction. And if I'm somebody that can make daily commitments and keep those daily commitments, then when I'm with buyers, I expect them to make commitments and keep those commitments to me throughout that sales process. So first and foremost, I have to have a decided heart in order to lead other people to make the decisions that I'm expecting them to make. Yeah, it would just it just wouldn't wouldn't work. So you really have to stick with it. And I'm interested. I keep asking myself this question: Does this work? I'm, I'm picturing Joe Kime waking up in the morning, swinging his feet out of bed, putting them on the floor, and going at it again. I mean, you must be having some level of success, even amidst all these what seem like defining struggles, where it just dead ends every single day, and people going back and causing issues. Yeah, it must be working. Otherwise, you wouldn't have devoted your entire life to this. Yeah, I think God has given us a special strengths, um, and, and it goes back to we can relate with the people that we're working with. We understand, and and so we try not to focus on that. We try to focus on on the positive. And yes, Brian, we work. I don't think I'd be wrong in saying 15 hours a day, half for, for years, 15 hours a day, because you, you not only have to keep the store going, but you have to stop what you're doing and listen when there's, mm. when, when they're going through a hard time or, 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 uh, uh, trying to figure out who they are and how they fit in and what their purpose is. And you have, you have to, you have to be able to, to, to sit back, relax and listen. And, and and most of the time it's it's not much more than listening but 
you know, there's times when I'll run into the store with one outfit on and by that afternoon, I grab the necktie and my suit, which I'll do this yeah. weekend and I'll run and do a wedding and right back home and into the store. And, and that's just kind of however life is. Um, uh, we do whatever it takes, Brian. And, and, and I like to go back to the idea of, of running a business. Yeah. You know, uh, a large percentage of businesses fail. I think it's like uh, maybe like 60% of a businesses actually uh, go somewhere. And I was always told, now it's going to take you five yeah. years. Well, I remember one day uh, we were in just probably going into year number three. And, and um, this local um, uh, police officer actually walked in there and I, I knew him. And he asked me how I was doing. I was at the register at the at that point, which, you know, I'll push brooms, do whatever it takes to keep it. the place yep. going. And he asked me, Joe, how are you doing? How's how how's the market doing? And and I was so emotional that day that I broke down right there in front of everybody behind the register because uh, I was not going to stop. Nobody could stop me. I was going to work as many hours as it took. I was going to get to the five-year point, regardless of what it took. And we did. Um, and going back, if somebody, if I had any advice for anybody starting out with a new business, you got to work hard. You got to be consistent and you got to work, 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 because that's what it's that's the only thing that's going to get you through. You got to believe in what you're doing. Um, not everybody's willing to do that. I think that's the thing about you that stands out is that you truly believe in what you do and you lived in what you're trying to solve and you're making a difference for these folks. And I'm wondering if I can take it away just real quick as we start to, to come to the end away from the. Amish idea. I'm thinking about the market real quick. So you're a nonprofit and yet beef still costs what beef costs and goods still co cost what goods cost. And you do pay these folks to work and you pay a good living wage. That's part of what you do. And so in the economy today mm -hmm. and every day, we're always trying to lower the costs to beat someone else. We have competition. You've got competitive stores. There's grocery stores right around the corner. How do you run the business? How do you overcome those pressures when you know that every dollar you can't keep cutting the price, otherwise you're not serving your mission. So I had a I had a friend give me some good advice on that. He said, you're going to have customers that will walk in here and they'll tell you right to your face, your prices are too high. And he said, best thing to do is just respond with, well, uh, it's either pay the price or we'll close the door. <laughs> I never forgot <laughs> that. I mean, it's that simple. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I love, I love to be able to say, we got a good price going on beef this week. I, I, I mean, that's my heart. I, I'm, I, I love to give. I give everything away, but I have learned that, you know, uh, if you want to, if you want to stay in business and if you want to make, uh, help the community and, and stay in business, you got to charge a price and you got to pay your employees. And you know what? At the end of the day, the largest percentage of customers totally get it. They understand. And it's okay. It's okay. And it allows you to do <laughs> what you're trying to do. It allows you to accomplish it. And I think, I think that someone who shops at your market, it's clean, it's friendly, it has everything I'm looking for in bulk foods. It's got a great deli. It's got everything I want. Is it 
Last question, Joe. I could talk to you forever. Last, I'm going to force myself to make this the last question. Does it matter to your customers to know that they're making a difference in someone's life, that, that by paying a few cents more for that sandwich or slice of cheese, that they are impacting someone's life directly? Does that help? It makes a big difference, and we are right in right in the middle of. Uh, we came up with a tagline called "A Market with a Mission," and we are putting that all over the store on the inside. We got it on the outside. We got it on social media. Uh, everything that goes out to all the factories, we're very engaged with over two hundred factories in Ashland and Richland County. And, and the churches as well. And we're here to bring the people together as a community. I mean, that's Brian, that's what we grew up with. We were, that was one of the values we had. And I, I believe that we were taught on how to do community. And so it's not just Joe. It's not just Esther or the employees. It's all of us coming together for the same purpose, going in the same direction, because we all love to sit back and say, wow, we made an impact in Rhoda's life. We made an impact in Miriam's life. That makes us sleep well. That makes us feel good. And we're doing it together as a team. God bless you. That is purpose <laughs> under pressure. Yes. Phenomenal. Amen. Joe, there's folks, this is Joe Keim. Joe grew up as an Amish. He left the Amish. He, he saw the options. He saw the, 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 the potential. He also lived through the problems. He's helping other people do that same thing. He's doing it through business. He's doing it through love. He's doing it through God. You might want to talk to this guy. If you have any interest in any of that stuff, I know Joe would like to help with you. Joe, how would they reach out to you and, and find you? We have two websites, one on the store and one on the ministry. I'm going to give the website of the ministry first. It's map, mapministry.org, mapministry.org. The other one is beyondmeasuremarket.com, beyondmeasuremarket.com. And you go to any one of those websites, you'll see tons of testimonies of people that we've helped. And you'll be able to see how you can come alongside and help us make an impact. And I always say, this is our generation. It's our turn. Others have had their turn. One day, our turn will end. But right now, it's our generation. And we're going to make the biggest impact we can. <laughs> Folks, if you're watching on YouTube right now, that smile that you see never leaves Joe's face. That passion that he lives under, I know things aren't easy. I know they're not. I get it. And I know you see some heartache. But brother, I, I yes. love your passion and the fact that you just will not quit. And how when you talk about not quitting, when you talk about pressure, you are the guy who rises and overcomes those. And, and that's just an amazing, yeah. amazing tribute uh, just to you as a human being. So thank you for all that you do. You're welcome. Thank you, Brian. Folks, Thank that's you. Joe Kime. Joe Kime, uh, Executive Director of MAP Ministry, Mission to Amish People. He defines purpose under pressure. I thank him for being on the show. And I thank you for listening. Purpose Under Pressure is brought to you by the Ruby Group, Sandler Sales Training. Sellers are under pressure to perform. And Ruby Group and Sandler helps you succeed on purpose. You will find all past episodes of Purpose Under Pressure at brianmediastrategies.com slash podcast and wherever you stream your podcast and find your shows. We do this every week. We'll see you next time on Purpose. <laughs>